Hi there, and welcome to the Wayback Music Machine podcast. This is the show that takes a lighthearted look at the week that was in rock and roll history. This is episode 70, and I'm Tony Stewart. I'm Aaron Badgley. And Aaron, this is a very special episode for a number of reasons. First of all, it's number 70, but second of all, you are retired. By the time people listen to this episode, you will be officially retired. So congratulations, my friend. A man of le- a leisure. Uh, thank you very much. I'm going to join your club. Uh, you and I both. So thank you. Thank you. It feels weird, Tony. We were talking about this before we started recording. It's still abstract to me, but we'll see what happens. I'm very excited. Yeah, it's a pretty terrific feeling. It is weird at first, but you very quickly get used to it. Trust me. <laughs> <laughs> so no, no doubt. In honor of your uh, retirement, I thought we would do an all Beatles show today. I knew I knew you wouldn't have any objections to that, so I, I like them sorta. <laughs> so what do you say we kick this thing off and we'll do a story about Paul McCartney and we will be right back. So, Tony, we're going to kick off in 1989 on uh, September the 26th. Paul McCartney is in hmm, the Dramenschalen in Drammen, Norway. And the reason he's there is because he's kicking off a world tour. And it was his first tour in 10 years since the Wings' last UK tour in 79. And I just want to say that this tour was the first time I saw Paul McCartney on December the 7th, 1989, at what was then called the Skydome. I still call it the Skydome. Yeah, you know, I call it the Skydome too, but how exciting is that, eh? Wow, what a, what a show that was too. And and it was the first time, because when he toured with Wings, he did Long and Winding Road, I'm Looking Through You, and he didn't do many Beatles songs. He did Michelle. He did three or four Beatles songs. This tour... He did Beatles songs. Oh, did he? Oh, yeah. He did Hey Jude, Sgt. Pepper, uh, Sgt. Pepper Reprise. He did the the suite on side two of Abbey Road, um, Good Day Sunshine. But he also did solo stuff, Maybe I'm Amazed and all that. But, wow. he you, Have you seen McCartney live? I've never had the opportunity to see McCartney live. No, I would, though. I'd love to. If he comes, we're going to go. Yeah. Um, and that was big news, right? Because, like you said, it was 10 years since the last time he had been on tour. So what an incredible story. And and the tour in 79 ended rather abruptly because he was supposed to tour in 1980. But we all know what happened when he flew into Japan in yeah. 1980. You got, you got, he had marijuana in a suitcase. He was in jail for eight days. Yeah, that's incredible, isn't it? Do you remember that? I do. I do remember that. You know, um, that was a, a, what a tumultuous period that was, that whole year, 1980. Oh. Of course, December, we all know what happened then, but... It, uh, yeah, that was the last time that he was on the road and then, and then came back in a big way. And, and that was a monster tour, wasn't it? This tour in 89. Huge. And, and what was really cool about it is when you, this is the first time this was ever done. You, you could buy a program, which I bought, but as you walked in, you were given a hundred page. It was a magazine. It was a hundred some pages about Paul McCartney, but it was also about the environment because, because he teamed up with friends of the earth. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. And so you got this really cool souvenir of a magazine. And of course, me being me, I tried to steal some more, but I couldn't, I only got one. <laughs> now, I, I want to give you a kudo here because uh, 
You did a good job pronouncing that, the the Dramenschalen. Nice. Well done, sir. Oh, I was terrible. You, you see, you're better at <laughs> That's why I always defer to you. It's always like if you're doing anything, anything Italian, because your Italian is flawless. But so is your French. Your French is pretty amazing. Oh, thanks, man. Now, listen, we're speaking of languages. I'm going to do another one of these famous segues that we do. Uh, speaking of languages, we're going to move over to German here. You picked the top five albums in Germany in 1989. Now, I have to tell you, I was a little shocked that uh, David Hasselhoff is not on this list. What's going on? Well, David's album came out earlier in the year. Okay. And, uh, <laughs> I I want I my dream is for someone to do a sociological study as to why David Hasselhoff took off and of all places Germany. Like, yeah. Did yeah. you ever watch a show? What was that show called, Tony? Oh, Night Rider? Yeah. With Kit the Carl. Oh, I watched that faithfully. <laughs> Love that show. Me too. I just couldn't remember the name, but I remember Kit. And I remember it, it just it was anyway. But he's his singing was a bit, um, you know, bland. Yeah, exactly. But, but he was huge in Germany, so. He was. He still is. Um, I tuned into a German radio station and listened to the gold, uh, Olden Goldies, and they'll play him. I, I couldn't find the top five of Norway, which is what I was going after, but I thought, well, I'll go Germany as closest to I could find. So there we go. That's why I went Germany. All right. So who's on the list here? Well, I'm, I'm, I wonder, do you know Jason Donovan? Uh, I, I've heard the name, but I don't, I, I'll be honest, not really. Yeah. He's kind of like a nineties Donny Osmond. Okay. Okay. Sorry. So his album, 10 good reasons was number five. Number four was album. Uh, you know, a lot of people don't like this album and it's probably one of my favorite queen albums called the works. Cause I love radio Gaga. Yeah. That's a, well, that's a great song. Yeah. I love that song. Uh, number three, Mike Oldfield with earth moving. Didn't chart anywhere else in the world. It really didn't, but it was huge in Germany. Uh, number two, the Rolling Stones with Steel Wheels. Oh and my they, gosh! Do you remember remember how big that tour was? That because they competed with McCartney. The, yeah. the, those two tours were going neck and neck. Do you remember that? Like it oh. was. Yeah, I remember reading about that. The number of tractor trailers that they the Stones had for that tour was was crazy with gear and and stuff. It was unbelievable. Well, because they were doing what McCartney was doing, and it was the smartest thing. It was the first time these bands had ever done this, and it was the first time it was ever done in rock history, which was the Stones and McCartney had literally two tours. So so McCartney's in Toronto. He has another whole thing going to Montreal to set up while he's in Toronto. So when he finished Toronto, he just goes to Montreal. The stage is up and running. They, they take down Toronto. They drive that to the next show after Montreal. And the Stones thought, that's a good idea. So, but then, of course, Stones being the Stones, you know, you have to go bigger, right? Yeah, yeah, of course. I wasn't a big fan of Steel Wheels. I thought there was a couple of good tracks on it, but but uh, but they couldn't knock number one out. I guess uh, Westerhagen. Well, there you <laughs> go. That's a that sounds German to me. I don't know. You think? <laughs> <laughs> actually, Tony, I tell you, I was doing the I was doing the playlist, and I listened to a bit of this Westerhagen. It was actually quite good. I was digging it, you know. Uh, and their album called Hallelujah. So that was the top five in Germany. Um, Stones didn't knock come out. They never made it to number one in Germany, just for the record, folks. Now, let's move on to segment two here. We're going to be going to September the 27th, 1967. We're going to be talking about one of my favorite songs, but also we're going to be getting a glimpse into John uh, Lennon's particular sense of humor. So what do you say we do that? And we'll be back in a moment. 
Okay, here we are. It is September the 27th, 1967, and we're talking about one of my favorite Beatles songs, actually. I, I just think the whole backstory behind this song is brilliant, but we're talking about I Am the Walrus. And on the 27th of September, 1967, the Beatles are in studio and they start working on this song that John Lennon came up with called I Am the Walrus. They also started working on a Paul McCartney tune called Fool on the Hill, which is another one that I really like. But uh, I love the story behind I Am the Walrus because the lyrics, of course, we all know they're, they're pretty out there. But Lennon received a letter from a student at Quarry Bank High School. And it said, you know, my English teacher is uh, making the class analyze Beatles lyrics. And John Lennon, in his own way, with his distinct sense of humor, says, well, then I'm going to write a song and, you know, let's see you analyze this. And uh, can you imagine? I wonder what people said when that first came out. Well, you know, it, it's it's funny you say that because, it's like, first of all, I love the song. I mean, I... I I have to ask you before we go on, have you ever seen the movie Magical Mystery Tour? Oh, you know, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's pretty wild, eh? It is. It is wild. <laughs> well, you know, uh, I went to Quarry Bank High School when I was in Liverpool because it's still there, the same building. It's rather frightening building, to be perfectly honest, But um, which is where they got the name Quarry Men. But, uh, yeah, can you – it was – It was. have you ever seen the clip of the Beatles or – uh, sorry, Dick Clark, American Bandstand, the show Strawberry Fields Forever. No, I don't think I have, actually. Because The reason I'm bringing this up is because after the show, he's interviewing these kids in the audience, and he goes, what did you think about the new Beatles? And they're, they're stunned. They're going, um, um, um. Yeah, <laughs> well, this was a 180, right? A, a complete 180. So you're... You're talking about in 66, the Beatles are still doing, you know, things like Paperback Writer and Michelle and all that. And also they're doing I'm the Walrus, which yeah. is pretty wild, you know? Yeah. I am he, you are he, right? Yeah, exactly. And I mean, this is obviously uh, at this time, John Lennon is is uh, experimenting with LSD, among other things. And, you know, just the mind opening properties of that drug, right? And, and uh, totally made its way into his songwriting. So but I, I love this song personally. It, it would be one of my top three Beatles songs in all honesty. Okay. Get the, well, it's in my top 10, but get the bell ready. You know, the, you know, the music that, you know where they got the music from? No. Where'd they get that from? Get the bell ready. I'm getting Lennon. ready. Okay. Lennon was at home and he heard a siren, uh, the, the English siren, which is da, 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 and that's the two chords for the song. I am the walrus. Oh, wow. That is a, that's a great fact. So here we go, folks. The bell is being rung right now. <laughs> you really like it. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's an interesting song. Now, let me ask you this, Tony. You love the song. Have you ever tried to do it like a, a version of it or tried to play it or try to do anything with it like that? I've actually sang I Am the Walrus. I did it live. Oh, no, really? where? Oh, I just did it for a coffee house at the school years ago, you know, like, uh, the kids were organizing a coffee house, raising money for something. And I trying to think what I did with it. I, I did. I am the walrus. And that this is, this would be maybe a dozen years ago. Yeah. That's so cool. I love, I wish someone, you know, this is, this is the good and the bad. I wish people had phones back then to tape the whole thing. I would love to see that. Yeah, no, it's a great song. I just, the groove is fantastic. Well, it, it is. And, and uh, I don't think any of the Beatles have ever attempted it live. However, however, I, um, you know, the group Sticks. Mm -hmm. 
and we saw Sticks and Larry Gowan was the lead singer at this point, and they did a cover of it live. Well, he's a he's a good musician. I've met Larry Gowan a few times. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. How I, did you meet Larry Gowan? I knew a cousin of his growing up, actually. So um, met him really? a few times. Yeah, really nice guy, but a great musician. And a big Beatle fan. Oh, yeah, yeah. What a tremendous piano player, boy. Well, I didn't know. You never told me you, you've met Mr. Gowan. Yeah, a f- yeah, a few times back when I was a teenager, yeah. Oh, that's very cool. That's very cool. You couldn't get me tickets for the last Sticks concert, but anyways, we won't talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> so, Tony, here's a, here's. I'm going to give you a quiz. You're a school teacher. Sorry, retired. Retired. Yep. Shakespeare features in this song. No, what I, scene? I know this. I know this because this ah. is a pretty famous story. But uh, King Lear, right? King, yep, King Lear, yeah. And it is... Um, like the story behind this, right, is he was, there's the sound of the radio being tuned to a bunch of stations and it comes to rest on the BBC uh, production of King Lear. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Now he was working on three different songs, right? And he kind of combined them into I Am The Walrus. Do you know what three songs they were? I I don't know that. No, they've never, you know what? And all the Beatle books I have, and and I know you're reading a really cool book right now. But all the Beatle books have never been able to find documentation as to what the actual songs were um, that he combined to make I Am the Walrus. But one can only imagine. Yeah. You know, because it, it must it must have been pretty far out, you know. Um, I would love to have been – I'd like to be the fly on the wall when they bring it to George Martin. Um, George? <laughs> well, yeah, because it was a full 180, right? Like all of a sudden, this is no longer, uh, you know, a three-chord pop song with a few twists thrown in. This is – totally different i mean this really this period kicked off that whole 60s rock era didn't it well it was it was it's the ultimate the beatles did two songs that are to me defined psychedelic rock and pink floyd and and brian eno both of them tipped their hats to these two songs one is i'm the walrus and the other one is called it's all too much from yellow submarine and and they're they're just the sounds that the beatles combine in these songs like i'm the walrus when you get the ending when it's like Everybody, you know, uh, was it? That's like everybody's got one. Everybody's got one, and it's oompa oompa and jumpa. You know, all these things going on, mm-hmm. and then you get King Lear, and it's just it it shouldn't work, and yet, and yet, yet it didn't work. well, so, yeah, and it's a brilliant, brilliant song. I got it. We got to educate Tony. You got to get your bell ready. It's Shakes. It's King Lear, Act Four, Scene Six. Okay. Well, here we'll we'll do another official bell ringing. And, and let's take a look. You did, instead of the top five here, uh, you did the top six albums in the UK. And I, I kind of see why, but uh, go yeah. ahead. Well, I, yeah. I, number six, what's interesting about this album is that they recorded the album the exact same time as the Beatles did Pepper, and both bands visited each other. Pink Floyd, number six, with their debut album. And they were called The Pink Floyd at the time with Sid Barrett, Piper at the Gates of Dawn. And Tony, I'm very excited to say that next week I'm going to be seeing Nick Mason, the drummer of Pink Floyd. He has a band called Saucer Full of Secrets, and they do the first two albums by Floyd. They don't touch anything after that. Oh, wow. Yeah. So uh, a very psychedelic album, number five, Dr. Shivago. No, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> uh, number five is Dr. Shivago. This is in the UK, right? Number four. Do you know Scott Walker at all? 
Not really, no. I, I just know from this chart that he's not very inventive in his album titles, but... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know what's even worse? His next album is Scott 2, and it's Scott 3. Okay, so this is Scott Walker with Scott. <laughs> well, I tell you, listen, if you ever, when you're listening to the playlist, listen to Scott Walker singing and tell me, uh, David Bowie was very influenced by Scott Walker. Oh, okay. And when you hear Scott Walker, you're going to hear where Bowie got some of his tones, okay? Okay, well, you know, at least Bowie didn't do the Scott Walker route with his albums, though, and go David, <laughs> David too, you know. David one. David two, <laughs> <laughs> he'd be up to David thirty or something. Uh, number three is the Beach Boys, the best of the Beach Boys. Okay, I I'm so. I, I, what would a show be without mentioning number the two album, which is the Sound of Freaking Music? Yeah, soundtrack. which which never went away. My goodness. I, I you know I think it's on the charts to this day. And number one, a little band called the Beatles and an album called Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band, which was number one across the universe. See what I did there? Yes, very nice. Very nice. Well, yeah, I, you know, I, I try. And <laughs> so that was the top five, well, top six albums in the UK when the Beatles were recording. You think it was weird for them? I'm just curious. So here they are in the studio. They're recording two new songs. Meanwhile, their album, Sgt. Pepper, is redefining rock music. Do you think there was pressure on them to kind of come up with something or do you think they just didn't care? What do you think? I think at this point, I would say they didn't care. What about you? I agree. I don't think they, I don't think they were intimidated by their success. No, not at this point. Right. Because they're no longer touring here. They're, they're done. And yeah, I mean, really they're where else do you go? If you're the Beatles at this point, I mean, you're on the top of the mountain, right? Yeah, and that's a good point. I just, well, I always wondered, like, what would it be like to be, is there that pressure to kind of, can they keep producing, you know? And they did. I mean, because if you think about it, you know, in 68, they come up with a white album and they come out with Hey Jude. And then they, mm-hmm. you know, they just, they kept topping themselves. But I'm, I'm always amazed by that. Yeah, me too. Now, we all know the Beatles wouldn't be the Beatles without Brian Epstein. And, we're going to go to a Brian Epstein story here. This is this is really interesting. And this is the 29th of September, 2015. Let's take a classic commercial break and we'll be right back. Why were the Beatles of such interest to the high priest of the terrible goddess of Kaili? Help. Why was Ringo pursued to the ends of the earth by a group of eastern thugs? Help. Help. And why was Paul threatened by a B-E-E-T-L-E? Oh, stop worrying. Help! Help is on the way. It's the Beatles' new motion picture with... Help, 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 help. Seven new Beatles songs. Help. Will John live to sleep in his pit once more? Will Paul ever get back to his electric organ? Will George be reunited with his ticker tape machine? And Ringo, will he ever play the drums again? To discover the answers to these startling questions, be sure to see the colorful adventures of the Beatles, more colorful than ever, in color, in hell, hell, a United Artists release. So we've jumped ahead to September the 29th, 2015, and this is a great story. I, I, I love reading about this stuff. This is something we should probably mention more often on this show because some of this Beatles memorabilia sells for huge amounts of money. But Sotheby's, uh, had the original contract signed by the Beatles and their manager, Brian Epstein, and it sold for 365,000 pounds. 
this document that they signed in 1962 is considered to be one of the most important contracts in popular music history. And of course, this was the beginning of that arc that the Beatles took to becoming the number one act in the world. But interesting story behind this document, isn't it? Because Epstein had zero experience managing bands, but when he took on the Beatles. And he never signed it. Yes, that's right. He just left it blank because he was, he said, you know, if I can't get you a contract or whatever, I'll walk away, right? Now, can you imagine in 2022, anyone doing that with a contract saying, look, here's the contract. And if I let you down, we'll tear it up because I'm not going to sign it. Can you imagine that today? I, I can't. And it also just shows you what he saw in them, doesn't it? So I, I got to tell you, just recently, I think it was maybe through early September, late August, late August, they finally unveiled a statue of him in Liverpool. Did yeah, you know that's that? right. yeah, that's right. Uh, you know what? Well deserved. Ah, but a few years late. I mean, that should, I mean, the Beatles statues are everywhere, but I mean, there should have been one for him right off the bat, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree because, you know, I wonder without him, would they have just gone on to be like, you know, a popular group like Jerry and the Pacemakers, but, but really that's it, you know, hard to say. well, he managed Jerry and the Pacemakers. I mean, you, you start looking at the bands he managed. Yep. They all sell a black, uh, Billy J. Kramer and the Dakotas. He he brought Jimi Hendrix to London, England. He 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 basically, he, he managed the Bee Gees when they first started in the 67. I mean, this before he passed away. This guy seemed to have a knack for hearing something in bands that other people weren't hearing, if that makes sense, you know? Yeah. But you know, the point I was wondering about is, do you think without Epstein, would the Beatles have just become this incredibly popular Liverpool band? That's it. Or would they have broken out regardless? Like, what do you think? I, I, I honestly think that they would have never made it to the heights they did. I I think they may have been a big UK band. I think they wouldn't have branched out of the UK. They, They would have had minor hits because I think what he did besides manage them, Tony is, I think he, he brought the showmanship to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, get out of the, stop eating your sandwiches on stage. Stop swearing. That's right. <laughs> you know, get rid of the leather, put on the, put on the suits, get the haircuts, the whole thing. Yeah. I, I, I don't think they would have done as well. With, I, I, and we've talked about this before. I think it was the six people that had to come together to do this. And, and he had a pivotal role in introducing them to George Martin, who mm-hmm. had a pivotal role in helping them create the sound they heard in their heads. And I think that without Brian, the, the, the Beatles would have um, never, ever. But he, he, from the very beginning, he would say to people, they're going to be bigger than Elvis. And they thought he was nuts. Yeah, that's right. But he did. He believed that right off the top. These guys are going to be he, huge. He did. He, he, he had unwavering um, faith in this band and he knew something. It was almost as if he had some kind of insight into what they were all, all about. So to answer your question, that was a very long answer. And I'm sorry, I, I'm rambling like a, like an academic. You can, you can shoot me now. No, just kidding. Um, <clears throat> I don't think the Beatles would have done as well. Nowhere near Like not, no. I, and I think without Epstein, they would never have lasted beyond 64. Yeah, I think they would have probably not, split, you know, like Jerry and the pacemakers did or, Freddie the Dreamer, all those bands started breaking up in 65 and stuff. I don't think the Beatles would have lasted as long as, and they certainly would have never done a Pepper. I mean, it, it, it's, 
it's all him in, in, in many ways. No, absolutely. And, and, you know, I was just reading, I'm reading that Patterson book right now, um, talking about his response when Decca turned them down and he was pretty scathing uh, towards them, you know, and he told them right away, you guys dropped the ball in a big way. <laughs> because it was Dick Rowe. Yeah. And can you imagine? Um, we're going to take Brian Poole and the Tremolos. That's right. And we're going to pass up the Beatles. Well, we all know that Brian Poole and the Tremolos. Um, <laughs> ooh. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. And that famous quote, right? Guitar bands are on their way out. Oh, that's fantastic. Little. I love that. It's, <laughs> it's, it's literally, you know, it's like, wow, could you be any more incorrect if you tried? I mean, just, just try to be more incorrect. <laughs> and now looking, you know, we all know that the Beatles have sold boatloads and boatloads of records and singles, but you've got the top five best-selling Beatles singles here. What an interesting list. You know, it is. And, and the thing is, I'm, I'm not including streaming, because if you include streaming, here comes the sun shoots into the top five and, and let it be and all that. But what I wanted to do was just look at the actual 45s singles that were sold worldwide. And uh, so I did the top five best selling Beatles singles. And, and I, you might be surprised. I was. Number four, five is Day Tripper, We Can Work It Out. Dub, first double A side in rock and roll history. Number four. I didn't. I didn't know the song was as big. I love the song. I feel fine. Oh, that's a great four, song. Yeah. Did you expect that in the top five? I didn't. No, but, I would never have picked that one. Um, first use of feedback uh, on a song. Number three, "Can't Buy Me Love," which I could figure. Number two, of course, "I Want to Hold Your Hand," and number one, worldwide, "She Loves You," which was massive, 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 massive. But yeah, I, I agree, Tony. I think I think we people got to give Brian Epstein a, a great deal of credit about um, what he did for the Fab Four, in my opinion. Now, we're going to go to October the 2nd, 2001, and we're going to be talking about a very special night of music. And we're going to New York City to a fabulous building called Radio City Music Hall. So we will be right back with our final segment of the show. So, Tony, by 2001, a lot of musicians, a lot of artists wanted to, to pay tribute to John Lennon. And, of course, in 2001, we had 9-11. And what a great combination is to, A, honor to you know 9-11, but also raise money and also honor John Lennon. So there was a concert called um, Come Together, A Night for John Lennon, Words of Music. And it was at New York City's Radio Music Hall. It was hosted by Kevin Spacey, and I know we're not supposed to talk about him, but the fact is he hosted it. He actually sang Mind Games and did a rather good cover version no, of that he, song. He's a good singer. There's no question. Yeah. You ever see when he played, um, oh, dear. Oh, my gosh. Uh, the, he played Bobby Darren. That's who I'm trying. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, Thank yeah, you. yeah, no, great movie and, and uh, great. He's a great singer. Yep. Yeah, fantastic. So this concert featured people like, uh, you know, Dave Matthews, Stone Temple Pilots, Moby, Lou Reed, Stone Temple, uh, Billy Preston, Alanis Morissette, uh, Yoko, Sean Lennon performed, Rufus Rainwright. It was an incredible, incredible night. And I'm gonna just, I'm gonna just say it. None of the music from that concert is available on Spotify. Not one song. Oh, now was that that was the show where Alanis covered uh, Dear Prudence, didn't she? 
Yeah, and it's not on Spotify. I was going to put it on for you, but it's oh, not there. That is such a brilliant cover. It is. It's fantastic. So and, and Lou Reed does a killer version of Jealous Guy. And yeah. there was a CD that came out. I have the CD, but I guess because of Kevin Spacey, it's all off of um, – it's sad because, okay, take off Kevin Spacey's song if you want. But the other music on that show was fantastic. You know, I guess Moby, he's been – he's in yeah, – another one but i mean there's some fantastic music on that alanis morissette's version of, of dear prudence is is show-stopping uh-huh. but unfortunately none of it I, mean, I i went through every song by every act and not one song not even dave matthews what's the world coming to when you don't have a dave matthews song <laughs> <laughs> but yeah it's that whole uh, you know separating the artist from the the body of work right and and that struggle and I I know where I stand on that issue. I I think this should have been preserved, and I think it should be on Spotify. That's just my own opinion. But well, as I say, I have the CD. So I mean, unless someone knocks at the door and says, "Can I have the CD, please?" I'm keeping it. And it, and and when we get together, I'll, I'll bring it or I'll, or I'll show it to you because it's when you get to my house because it's really rather good. I mean, there's there's some really excellent performances on there, and it's 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 sad because it's a concert that's almost kind of been forgotten now because you don't they don't play it on the radio they don't you know again kevin spacey hosted it you can't change that fact but the music is still there the music is great you know now what uh, what song did billy preston cover oh my gosh i have to you know what i'm gonna look that up really quickly okay because he did a good one and it's my brain just went completely numb okay yep yeah no i'll wait for you here i can do i can do that so in the meantime enjoy the soothing sound of uh (laughs) that's right yeah if we were on radio we'd just put a song on right now (laughs) um remember those days it'd be like bill acker and this you know but um okay so here's uh billy preston natalie merchant did i forgot natalie merchant did a great cover of um nowhere man and cindy lopper did a great great version of strawberry fields forever well, she could um, sing. I mean, uh, you know. At last. Have you heard her do At Last? Yes. Yeah, I love her version of that. So Billy Preston did Imagine with Yolanda um, Adams. Okay. So he opened the show with Imagine uh, with Yolanda Adams. They, they traded vocals, and it's it's quite stunning. The Moby performed to Sean Lennon, and they did Across the Universe with Rufus Wainwright. Okay. Nelly Furtado. She did Instant Karma, believe it or not. Wow. Yeah. And if I remember serves me well, it's not bad. Um, it's actually, and Dave Matthews, by himself, without his band, does a, a rather nice cover of In My Life. So, Well, you know, I, I mean, obviously, the Beatles are near and dear to every single one of these performers' hearts, right? So, I, man, that would have been great to be in the audience for that. Oh, can you imagine? It, and 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 get the bell ready. Every year since that concert, Natalie Merchant helps organize a similar concert. In fact, there was one last year, and it's always around the same time. And all the music, or all the all the money goes to New York City and funds and Robin Hood and all this kind of stuff. And uh, I never knew Natalie Merchant was such a Beatle fan. And where the hell is she? Can she not put some new music out, please? No, exactly. But uh, you know, have you ever been inside Radio City Music Hall? Okay, full confession, Tony. One of my bucket lists was to see a Christmas show by the Rockettes. Oh, I, I've got uh, I've got to find it somewhere. 
Um, I've been several times. It's beautiful. Absolutely it's gorgeous. Beautiful. I saw the Rockettes. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I have a picture of me standing next to one of the Rockettes. The kids no wanted way. me to. Yeah. yeah. How did you do that? Well, I was a high school band tour and the kids wanted me to get a photo with this Rockette because she was talking to them about what it's like. And I, I swear to God, like her legs go like up to, you know, the top of my chest. Like she is so tall and thin. <laughs> 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 oh my gosh that's you gotta okay Tony I, I have to see that photo it's, yeah that's, I'll that's try worth. to find it but uh, yeah what an incredible building you know that was the first building in New York City to use air conditioning like back was then. it really yeah yeah so we can ring you the bell that. for that yeah yeah Tony can I ask you a question was you, were you on the stage I did get to walk on the stage it was it's amazing it's incredible how, how big is the stage massive massive and they have this elevator. I mean, you could you could bring elephants up in this thing. Like it's crazy. Well, no, I, that's why I'm asking because when I saw the Christmas show, they actually had a horse and buggy go across this, and it was a real horse, folks. Yep. It wasn't you know two guys in a suit. It was the real horse pulling a buggy. And I thought, how big is that stage to do that? No, it is incredibly. It's it's massive. So you can play basketball games on that stage. Did you know that? They like they've had basketball games on there. So on that note, Aaron, happy retirement. And we are at the end of episode 70. And I can't believe it. We are nearing that magic number 75. I'm excited about that. Boy, it seems like just yesterday that we did uh, number 50, doesn't it? I, Tony, it just seems like yesterday we started this and, and road trip. And um, I got to tell you, they get better and better each time we, we get in this van. And uh, I look forward to doing this every week. And, and I look forward to another 70, if not more, with you. So, oh, yeah. me too. And you know what else I'm looking forward to is all the other stuff that we are kind of secretly planning now that we're, we're, we're both. We're hatching something, folks. Yeah. Got something in, yeah. It, something's in the kitchen. Well, that's it's right. You know, two, two <laughs> retired guys with time on their hands, so look out well. Yeah, scary. <laughs> so thanks very much for listening, folks, and we will see you next time. I guess we should sign off, shouldn't we? So... If the man is getting you down, Aaron, what do you do besides retire? <laughs> you just keep rocking because that's basically it. All right, folks, we'll see you for episode 71 next week. Bye.